0: Well, I'm really excited today as we start a, our, a new series. Um, this series is called You Asked For It. Now, typically, if you're our guest here today, typically there would be this nice, shiny, pretty little graphic on the screen. And then throughout my message, you'd see all my message notes. Emily, did the message notes make it online? Is it on the app today, do you think? It is. All right, so if you have the YouVersion Bible app, Go to your version, Bible app, go to events, find New Life Church, and you can have access to the notes every Sunday. I don't know if you knew this. Every Sunday, all of my notes, my outline, is on the Bible app on your phone for you to access. Um, but if not, it's usually on these beautiful displays today for some reason, it won't be. So you're just going to have to pay very close attention, and, uh, and it's going to be good. But we're so, this, this series, you asked for it, is just that. I'm going to be preaching, starting today, the, the five most requested sermons that you asked for. Back at Easter time, we took an Easter survey where there's a plethora of categories, we said, what do you want to hear about the most? Well, I'm about to tell you the top five messages you have asked for, and so if you ask for it, you don't want to miss it, okay? And... Um, uh, and so if you, we're going to start by, with number five and work our way to the most requested sermon from our church. And I have not told anybody what they are yet, not even my wife. Last night she asked me, she said, what's tomorrow's topic? I said, come and find out. Because <laughs> you asked for it. You asked for this. So if you like what I say, if you don't like what I say, I want you to know, you asked for it. All right? So, coming in at number five, the fifth most requested sermon is How do I Discover My Purpose? Discovering God's plan for your life. Many times, people feel discontent in life. Discontent because they're not living what they feel is their specific, unique, God-given purpose for their life. Every day people wake up and every night people go to sleep believing that there has to be more to life than just this. There has to be more to life than waking up to an alarm, going to work, Coming home, making dinner, watching some television, going to sleep. Waking up, going to work, making some dinner, watching some TV, going to sleep. Rinse and repeat. There has to be more to life than just this. But people don't know how to access it. So this frustration is, I think, is illustrated really well in a story that I heard one time. Um, There is a a greyhound racetrack in Florida. Um, A greyhound, if you don't know, um, if you're not an animal person like me, a greyhound is a dog, Um, not a bus. It is a bus. But a greyhound is a dog, it's a beautiful dog. People say, I don't believe any animal is really beautiful to me, um, so sorry. Uh, Jenny will show me pictures like, oh look at this cat, isn't it cute? I'm like, I, I don't see what you see, but that's okay. Um, but a greyhound is this, is this dog, it, it's, it's kind of tall, it's kind of, kind of, uh, it's kind of skinny, um, but man, they are made for speed. And so they race groundhog, groundhogs, listen to me. <laughs> I'm still having groundhog nightmares, Mark. <laughs> Mark has helped me trap 11 groundhogs at our house this past year. Gray hounds. I'm just going to say dogs. These dogs, they race these dogs. Um, I'm sure that there's betting and all kinds of things that go on with this, but people race uh, dogs, these dogs. Um, in this one particular race, well, here's how. So they, they kind of line them up all on the racetrack, and, and then uh, the gates open. And to get the dogs to run, they use a mechanical rabbit. And this rabbit uh, paces out front of the dogs all around the track. And, they, and these dogs, just they, just they just go ham, like running after this, this rabbit in front of them. Well, on this, in this particular race, the rabbit malfunctioned the rabbit ex- like explodes it's not there the gates open the dogs the gates open the dogs come out and not a single dog wins the race one dog became so confused it ran into a fence and hurt itself several dogs came out of the gates and just sat down other dogs came out Were confused and began barking at spectators and growling, but not a single dog won the race. Not a single won the race because there was nothing to chase. This is an actual, this is a great picture of how people live their lives. That is, when there's nothing to chase, they struggle to find the meaning of life. When there's no longer something to chase, they don't run the race. Why is it that so many wealthy people, I'm talking like people that have reached celebrity status, whether by sport or whether by... Uh, Hollywood so many of them fall into addiction depression and and unfortunately many even commit suicide I many believe it's because they thought if they could reach a certain status that they would feel fulfillment but well, what happens when you have more money than you can possibly spend, but you're still empty inside? What happens when you have more attention than you ever dreamed of and you always thought you just wanted more attention, but now you have more attention than ever, but you still don't feel close? What happens is there's nothing else to chase. You accomplished You reached everything you thought you wanted. There's nothing left to chase. And now you don't want to run the race. And so the key to a significant life, and that's the question, how do I discover God's plan for my life? How do I discover significance? The key to a significant life is making sure that that you're chasing something bigger than what's in front of you. That you're chasing something bigger than the mechanical rabbit. Because if the dog knew it wasn't about the rabbit, it was about the finish line, then he doesn't need a rabbit to run. And if we knew it wasn't about accomplishment, it wasn't about notoriety, then we would run. So we have to make sure we're chasing something bigger than what's right in front of you. So many work to achieve career goals, gain wealth, only to end up disappointed, disillusioned by their success. Others think that if I only find the right spouse, if I could only start a family, or or maybe if I could serve in the ministry, I could fulfill these desires, only to experience exhaustion, instead of exhilaration they catch their rabbits only to be disappointed and if we had our beautiful screens i would show you my first little point here and that is this is that you need to know why you're chasing what you're chasing how do i discover god's plan for my life you need to know why you're chasing what you're chasing You need to have clear focus on what matters most, what fuels your motivation. Because I can tell you that I feel as though I am walking in God's call for my life, that I remember when I was 11 years old, I felt the call of God to pastor and to be a spiritual leader. But I will tell you that even in that Pastors struggle with feeling significant because they begin to build significance upon measuring numbers of people in their services, square footage of buildings, and the comparison game comes along, and I've watched pastors that are making a difference, and yet they feel insignificant, and it's because you, you need to know why you're chasing what you're chasing, which is why I preach with the same tenacity in front of a small crowd than I do in large crowds. I have preached some of my best messages in front of ten and in front of a thousand, because I re- I want to keep the focus on why I'm chasing what I'm chasing. It's not for selfish gain. It's not for monetary gain. God has specifically called me to make a difference in the kingdom of God, in leading his church, and I say yes to that regardless of what it looks like. You have to know why you're chasing what you're chasing, and it will take constant reminders of to why you're chasing what you're chasing. And I don't just liken this just to a life of ministry, but your life as well, because God has not called all to this stage, this platform. Not, God has not called all to be a pastor, but he has called all of us in some way, shape, or form. Whether it be that you work at the line at Chrysler, or you're a teacher, or or you're a business owner, whatever it is, there is a calling on your life. Because here is what I have learned myself, is that career is how you make a dollar, but calling is how you make a difference. And some are blessed enough that career and calling come together, but that is not always the case, Sometimes career and calling are separate things. Sometimes it's career that helps you actually fulfill calling. The Apostle Paul was a tent maker. It was a career of his that he, he had to, to, to make some money when he needed it. But we don't know him as a tent maker. We know Paul as the Apostle, you see. So you need to know why you're chasing what you're chasing. And everyone needs a sense of purpose that is bigger than money. Bigger than the house you live in. That is bigger than seeking the recognition of other people. Something bigger. And I would tell you that the bigger has to be outside of yourself. Which is why I believe that when the bigger is God... You'll have purpose. So here's, here's the good news. Is that God has a unique and distinct purpose for your life. He has designed you specifically for the calling he has put in your life. You already have what it takes. You just have to unlock it. Everyone needs a sense of purpose. Bigger than just money. Money. Bigger than just a house, bigger than just the recognition of others. Because com- a common thing that people say in this world is if I only had enough, if I only had enough money, if I only had enough friends, if I only had enough influence, if I only had enough followers. But the real question becomes what's enough? What's enough? Because then when you catch that rabbit and you realize the rabbit wasn't enough, and I've given my whole life to chasing the rabbit, And now I have it, and I feel no different. You have to have something bigger than yourself. True happiness is not found in what you do or in what you have. True happiness is found. In purpose, because when you know your purpose, you can have nothing and be f- and be happy. When you have your true purpose, you can lose it all, but know why you live. You know, a, a popular thing people do these days is uh, they they uh, have the uh, the ancestry DNA testing. Have you seen this? I've had some family members do it and share their results. It's really interesting. And what you do is you you buy like a DNA testing kit and uh they send it to you and you you swab your saliva and you put it in a little test tube, you send it back to them, and they they run it through a lab and then they they give you your results and they show you based upon your DNA like uh like your ancestry, where you come from, like Uh, like maybe you know western europe north africa uh, it will show you all these very interesting things um and 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 people learn new things new aspects about their family about their identity their personality the scripture says for we are god's handiwork created in christ jesus to do good works which god prepared in advance for us to do I mean, did you hear that? God creates us, prepares us to do good works before we actually do them. He has a purpose in mind for each of us even before we were born. And so if you have, if you have ever had to create something new, maybe you've had to create a new product or create a new process create a solution for something, or create a new device, you always start with what you want to accomplish with it. You always start with, what do I want the solution to be? In other words, you always start with, what is the purpose of this solution, this, de- this device, this new product? What is its need? What is its purpose? And then after you decide its purpose, then you design it according to its purpose so how do i know god's purpose for my life well the same is for you when god designed you he designed he first had a purpose in mind he had a need a solution in mind and then he built all the intricacies of who you are around that purpose and so if you want to figure out what your destiny is I would say that your design reveals your destiny Think of a car you look at a car and you can you can tell what it is to do It is to transport it is to move from point A to point B and how do and you can figure that out by its design I love when like people discover like really old tools, and you look at an old tool, and sometimes you're like, what in the world is this thing for? And as you see its design, and then someone shows you how it works, you're like, that's amazing. I'm actually always really impressed by some of the tools that were forged and made in like the early 1900s. Like some of the stuff, like you see a tool, but that tool was made for a very specific job. Um, and and when you see it's just it's just amazing, and, and maybe you look at yourself in your mirror in the mirror and you say, "What in the world am I? What in the world is this used for?" Well, when you understand your design, how God created you, it will help point you further to your purpose. Uh, one of the things that has I think helped me along the way is uh, even in ministry, there were times where I would feel like I had to fit a certain mold. I feel like I had to be a certain pastor. I had to be a certain personality. Um, maybe because it's the one. It was the example I had from someone else. But but I would always grow frustrated, and until I, 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 t- I kind of took a journey of like discovering my own design, discovering my own giftings and things of that nature. And so so one of those things is there are spiritual gifts assessments that you can take. There are personality assessments that you can take. And there, there's all these assessments you can take that help reveal things about you. And then as you read the results, you'll be like, oh, wow, that really resonates with me. Like, I, 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 I know that that is a strength of mine. That is an area that I need to work on. It's very revealing to me to discover a little bit about our design. Now, uh, recently I was telling people on, on Facebook that if you come to service today, you will get something that you cannot get. If you just waited to watch this online and uh, and so and actually here in a moment we're gonna we're gonna be cutting off from our the online audience and and it's just gonna be us and then we'll go back with them uh, after that okay because you you're special you came here today today I want to help you because the number five most requested sermon is how do I discover my purpose well design reveals destiny and so we're going to do a little assessment today that is going to help you see maybe a little bit further into God's design in you. And so I, uh, I, our, our ushers say they're going to help me out. They're going to be passing around an assessment. John, if you and your guys would, would help me with that right now. And they're going to be passing out an assessment to every single person here. And we are going to take a bit of a personality assessment all together. Is that fun? I'm, this is going to be fun. This is going to be fun. I've never done this ever before in 15 years of ministry. I've never done this on a Sunday morning. This is something that I've done in in, in smaller groups or in workshops. But today we're going to take a little bit of a personality assessment. There are many different kinds. There are spiritual gifts assessments. But today I want to start with a fun one. It is called the DISC assessment. Have any of you ever taken a DISC assessment? assessment before d-i-c-s there are a few So a few of you are familiar with the disc assessment and once everybody gets it uh, i will instruct you on how to take this and then you're going to get some some like instant feedback and results now uh, a couple things i want you to know before we get into this is that um, these assessments um, you know, obviously it's up to interpretation. You can't just land on one thing and be like, this is it for the rest of my life. Like it can change over time. So like, uh, just take this as a data point as something interesting and as something to think about. And that's what I love about these assessments. It just causes me to think a little bit about who I am and, and maybe how God has designed me. And uh, so once you get that, we're going to go through this. I'm going to show you how to take this, show you how to uh, find your results, and then we'll read a little bit about it. Uh, And let me describe to you a little bit about each personality. Now, a D, if you are a D, you scored highest in the D. Um, D stands for dominance or directness. Somebody that is a D personality, Um, they're very direct. They have a very domineering personality. A D wants results. And a D will scare S's and C's. A D only wants the facts. A D does not care about your feelings. They wish they did, they just don't. So they're confident, they're focused on bottom line results, okay? They are task oriented, they are decisive. This person does not struggle in making a decision. They're organized, outspoken, that is a D. An I, um, an I stands for influence. An I personality is someone that is interested in people. They're witty, they're easygoing, outgoing, people-oriented. An I personality is going to have emphasis on relationships and influence. That's an I. Now, an S, S stands for steadiness. It stands for stability. An S-type personality, this person is going to be very analytical. Like, give me the data. Uh, They are people-oriented, and many times an S is more introverted. An S, though, is a very dependable person. Their emphasis is on cooperation so many times S's are very peaceful people they're good at keeping the peace their emphasis is on cooperation and sincerity a C C stands for compliant competent a C type personality is someone that is very task-oriented goal-oriented Many times a C is also introverted. Their emphasis is on quality, on accuracy, expertise, and competency. That is a C. And um, and I would say a good team. When we build good teams, we we have elements of each of these personalities. I will tell you that uh, I've been on a team of all D's before, and you hate going to work every day. (laughs) You do not like going to work every day when you are on a team full of D's. Um, If you are on a team full of, uh, let's say, a team full of I's or a team full of S's, uh, you're probably not going to get anything done. (laughs) Let's just hang out, man. Let's just hang out. Have fun, um, and, and if you if you ever work with a C, uh, this person is going is like um, uh, like you didn't dot that i, you didn't cross the t. Um, this person has everything in order. They got spreadsheets, spreadsheets for everything. Very 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 precise in measuring data. What what was that? Hall monitor. Now, on in these other pages behind, you can read in a little bit more detail about each personality or even a combination. For instance, um, I was going to tell you mine, but I won't. Oh, OK, God, jeez. Um, I'm a little bit all over the place. I don't know who I am. And every personality test I take, um, i'm almost like even on most things so like i, I i'm pretty balanced I'm, I'm along all scales i can't say i'm one or the other uh, but if i did have to i would say i am likely mostly an id an id and is and this is what it reads for id This is what's cool about this. You can read this, and it gives you some scriptures or even some characters in the Bible that we can kind of relate to that particular personality. It's kind of cool. So ID for me says, we are persuaders who are outgoing and energetic. We enjoy large groups and use our power of influence to attain respect and convince people to follow our lead. Sometimes we can uh, be viewed as fidgety and nervous, but it, it comes from our need to be part of challenges that have variety freedom and mobility we could benefit from learning to look before we leap and spending more time being studious and still we make inspiring leaders and know how to get results from and through people and then some uh examples of this would be john the baptist in luke 3 peter or rebecca in genesis 24 so look at your particular personality and i get sometimes i get different results every time i take it so um and you may too but it's really interesting to then read a little bit of a detailed description of that particular personality and even see some characters throughout scripture on on that particular one so isn't that fun i hope that's fun i hope that you will continue to learn more about your design and fit it to your destiny one thing i learned as i learned more and more about myself not just through assessments um, but also through professional counseling and, and talking with the counselor um, and helping me filter through some of these things in my life, I, I learned a couple things. I, mostly I learned what I'm not. And when I learned what I wasn't, then I was like, then I'm going to stop trying to be that. Like I am not that. And I'm frustrated because I'm trying to be that. I won't, be, I won't ever do that again. And I felt liberated and free but, but also what I know is, uh, in area, when it comes to me as a leader, I know that I need certain personalities on my team. Because if I make everybody like me, like that's, that's, that gets out of balance. Um, so I need people of all different personalities and giftings on our team. The Bible actually has a lot to say about that, that we are all different parts, but we form one body. The head cannot say to the foot, I don't need you, remember? And here's the problem. The kingdom of God needs you to be who God created you to be. He doesn't need you to be me. He doesn't need you to be the person to your right or to your left. He needs you to discover your purpose and how he's designed you to be. And I will tell you, that very first Sunday morning that my family came to this church undercover, the first person we met, I know, has found their call in life. I know she knows who she is. And she has been perfectly placed on a team to to utilize her giftings. And the first person my family walked into at this church was Miss Pam. You knew it, didn't you? You knew it. Miss Pam, you see her at the front door. We don't have to train her about how to be on the front door because she loves people. She's sincere. She's glowing with the love of God. But I just wonder if we put Miss Pam on that soundboard, what would happen? I don't know, Pam. I don't, I don't know. And so, so that, that's one of the things we want to do as a church is help you identify your giftings. And place you on a team so you can utilize God's given uniqueness about you to make a difference. How cool would that be? And so, um, a couple things. It's not on the screen, but if you have the digital notes, you'll see it there. One is that God gave me my gifts. God gave me my gifts. Two... God determined my gifts and three God has purpose for my gifts and the same for you God gave them to you he determined them he has purpose for them your purpose can also be found in one of these three things One, your purpose can be found in your gifts and passions. Th- these are the things that you love, things that you are naturally good at. Sometimes these things are easy to spot, and, but not always. You may need to pursue various topics, various issues and abilities to filter through your possibilities. Listen to what Romans chapter 12 says. It says, we have different gifts according to the grace of given each of us who gave us the grace god gave us the grace and the our gifts and abilities are according to the level of grace god has given each of us if your gift is prophesying then prophesy in accordance with your faith if it's serving then serve if it's teaching then teach if it's to encourage then give encouragement if it's giving then give generously if it is to lead do so diligently if it's to show mercy do it cheerfully and when i and as we read about these giftings the grace that god has specifically put in your life these were not attached to a job a location of living a house or an income you can do these things wherever you work If you have a gift to be merciful, may you be merciful at Chrysler. May you be merciful on campus. May you be merciful in retail. If your gifting is to be hospitable, whatever it is, you use it wherever God takes you in whatever job you have. And when you can figure out, God has made me this way, this is my gift, you will stop feeling so stuck in your job. You will reframe the way you see your life because you can make where you feel stuck right now, you can make it bigger than yourself. You can make it centered around God's giftings and calling on your life. So one way you can find purpose is through your gifts and passions. A second is through your life experience. This is how I used to tell teenagers years ago when I was a youth pastor. If you want to know God's will for your life, if you want to find God's purpose for your life, then in the very fundamental way, you can do three things. Look back, look around, and look forward. In other words, look back. And when you look back upon your life, you will see patterns of what God has been preparing you for. For instance, when I look back on my 15 years of marriage, I can, marriage, this is true, we've been married 15 years, I love you. But my last 15 years of ministry, I see a pattern of of every step that God has taken me on for 15 years. He has developed me from one point to the next point. He has developed my character, my leadership my wisdom, and prepared me for every next thing he's calling me to do. And when I look at my past, when I look back, I can see God's movement in my life. So if you want to know God's purpose for us, sometimes you can look back and see the pattern. The second thing, if you want to know God's plan and purpose for your life, just look around. And this is what I mean by that. If you are married, God's call is for you to be the best husband or wife that you can be. If you want to know your purpose, it's bigger than your job. It's bigger than your house. It's bigger than retirement. It's bigger than your hobby. You're called to be a spouse. You're called to be a husband or a wife if you're married. If you have children, then God's direct purpose and call in your life is that you will be the best godly father or mother that you can be. That's bigger than what you're nine to five. That becomes the why you're chasing what you're chasing. If you know, I show up to work this, this job I don't like, this work that's hard, and I do it because I'm a husband and I'm a father. It just got bigger. And that is God's call on our lives, men. That's God's call on your life, uh, mother. So third of all, if you are a son or a daughter, especially if you are still a son or daughter that lives at home with your parents or your grandparents then God's call on your life is to be the best son or daughter that you can be that you will be honoring you will honor your father and mother you will listen you will learn you will lean on their wisdom you will protect your heart from rebellion If you are a student in school, then guess what God's purpose is for your life. You're going to be studious. You're going to do the best job you can to learn and grow. If you have a job, it doesn't matter what the job is. You could work in the factory. You can work in the school system. You can work in retail. But if you have a job, you need to reframe that thing and say, God gave me this job. And I will do it as unto the Lord. And when I show up for my nine to five and I'm tired and I'm, and I'm just I'm annoyed and I don't want to go there, then you just say, Lord, this day is going to be as an act of worship to you because I don't serve man, I serve God. I've had some crappy jobs in the day. Pastor Don Gifford heard me say that, he would correct me. But he's not the pastor here anymore, is he? <laughs> had some I've had some dirty jobs I've had some some bad bosses but I don't work for them i serve God and so by doing so I show up on time and I believe 10 minutes early is on time I, I show up on time I work hard, I stay late, you're not going to outwork me, and and even if you mistreat me, I'm going to keep my kindness on, I'm going to show the love of God, and I'm going to reframe what I'm doing, because although I may hate this job, I've served God, and I will make God known by what I do. So reframe it. If you don't like what you do, reframe it. Don't make it career, make it ministry that you get paid for. Go to work, make it ministry. And you just made it bigger, why? Because your purpose is not that particular job, your purpose is connected to God himself and his design for your life. So your experience, Romans 12, once it's there, I urge you brothers and sisters, to view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing. This is your true and proper worship. Can you tell me what time it is because the TV thing doesn't work today? huh? Dear Lord, we, we're going to wrap this up. See, I don't have... No TVs. The third way you can know your purpose is also, it's also through your pain. God will all, Listen to 2 Corinthians. It says this. Praise be to God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles, so that... We can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves received from God. In other words, God will often use the pain you experienced in order to comfort people that are experiencing the same pain that you had. And because of that, we've seen people start support groups, people that have a a particular focus on kids, youth we have a whole team of people that feed the hungry out of this church every month hundreds of families being served sometimes God will use your pain and show you your purpose no matter what you discover your divine purpose to be we are all called to be a reflection of God to the world around us and if you allow that to reframe what you do vocationally, you will feel purpose again. First Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. In other words, listen, we are all called to be ministers And I don't I say this sometimes, but and I mean it. I spent six years in bivocational ministry, which means I had to have a job in order to be a pastor, a job outside the church. And I would tell you that many, many times I am jealous of you. I'm jealous of you. Because you get to go to the marketplace. Monday through Friday, whatever your schedule is, you get to go to the marketplace. One of the biggest things I miss, when I, when I went into full-time ministry, I realized I miss going to work and meeting people that are lost and need hope and are in despair. I miss it. So I have to be very purposeful that I don't live in the church bubble, is what I call it. And so, so I build relationships with neighbors, I, I joined the Tuesday night golf league where they literally put another guy in my cart for two hours and I get to, I get to talk with them. I get to, sometimes I get to pray with them. And now, out at my golf club, I'm known as preacher. <laughs> hey, preacher. Hey, how you doing? I'm jealous of you. We're all called to be ministers. But all of you get to go where I can't go. You get to go places the person sitting in your row can't go. I can't go to your neighborhood. I can't go to your workplace. I can't go to your high school. But you get to, and you are God's agent. And if you can reframe, I am God's agent at Chrysler. I'm God's agent at this retail store. You won't feel stuck. You'll feel purpose again. I hope this is helping you. This is, You asked for it. I told you, you asked for it. Let's stand together because I think the noodles are ready for eating. And uh, I had no time to go by, uh, but I hope this is helping you. Take those assessments home with you and I hope that helps you let me pray for you I'll dismiss consider this the prayer over lunch so you can go and just get started you can even take it to go if you want but father I thank you that you are the source of purpose and we know that because you are the creator You decided that there was a solution that needed to happen. There was a problem that needed to be solved. There was a purpose to be fulfilled. And then you designed us around that purpose. I pray that each and every one of us would continue the journey to unveiling our purpose by our design. And that you would, God, use us in our current places. Whether we're husbands, uh, wives, uh, mothers, fathers, children. That we would start there and take it beyond. Lord, may we be a church on purpose, for a purpose, for the kingdom of God and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.